0: Welcome to the Outback Way podcast. I am Helen Lewis. Buckle up as we take you on Australia's longest shortcut, a journey through the heart of Australia. Welcome to the Outback Way podcast. This today is our final episode of the podcast. We've had a great few seasons of the podcast, capturing the characters, the places, the events, topics, the development of the Outback Way for the last few years and uh, I really appreciate everyone who's listened and downloaded and participated in the podcast for the guests and for you, the listener. really appreciate everything. also like to make a special mention of Perk Digital and Ellen ronalds Keene, who has been the producer for this uh, podcast for its duration and, uh, yeah, and who has done a cracking job and uh, we are very, very lucky to have Ellen and her team working on this podcast. But this is the last one and uh, I wanted to just give you a snapshot of where the Outback Way project is actually at now. At the end of 2022, beginning of 2023, we are in a, an amazing place and that is that in October 23rd last year in the budget, we now have a national bipartisan project with the funding being secured of the $1.2 billion, which will finish the ceiling of the Outback Way. I know there's mixed feelings about the ceiling of the road but for the people who live across the outback way, the two thousand seven hundred kilometres, the ceiling of the road is paramount to their well-being and their livelihoods and their livability of their communities. So we are really charging forward now with a, a a new focus and a new through a new lens of moving from advocacy to actually enabling community development and community capacity within along the outback way. And in really understanding and acknowledging that we are sealing a road that is actually going into some very remote areas that haven't had a sealed road ever. And so that makes a big change. That really changes the dynamic of an environment of the community and the environment in which they live. And so we're really keen to now move towards that sustainable development of the entire corridor, enabling local community people to engage how they want to engage with co-design, and ensuring that if they want to be forward-facing, they can. If they don't, they don't have to be. And also really ensuring we're creating projects and programs that are improving agencies. So enabling people with their decision-making and their actual capacity to choose how they want to engage and which business they might like to start or uh, to meet the needs of the travellers and the additional people using the Outback Way. And in addition to that, we clearly want to engage with the Industries that are going to come in and start developing, and uh, we want them to also understand the need for that agency and for that co-design, uh, and to ensure that all the development across the Outback Way is aware of of the needs of the community members and how they would like to interface with all the development going on. And also, of course, there's clearly growth in the tourism area. We have industry and we have all the services plus the logistics. Companies that will obviously use the Outback Way once it's fully sealed. So, five years on, you know, we have five years uh, until uh, 28, 27, 28, when we expect the road to be finished and sealed. And so, we really are trying to set this project up now for the next five years and enabling the development across the route. And so, once it's sealed, Uh, We are aware of the change that this route will cause and we're also aware, though, of the extraordinary opportunities. And so we really just want to ensure that all the people that are working now, currently, across the route, we're engaging with as many service providers as possible and local councils, local government and all all the bodies that are making an impact in these remote areas and small rural communities that we are focusing on delivering the best possible outcome. And if we are really serious about that, we can really try and then help manage and mitigate some of the risks that will also come with a sealed road across Australia. So we're very conscious and aware of the impact and the outcome of a sealed road, and we want to do our utmost in order to help facilitate the best possible results from that for the communities involved with this route, with the Outback Way. Of all the potential sustainable development across the entire route, I'm really keen for this interview today with Sue Hansen from the Goldfields Aboriginal Language Centre. And they are doing some great work in regards to really enhancing Indigenous people's involvement with language and using the language as part of their businesses and particularly in tourism. And other initiatives, but actually reconnecting with language really enables them to have a sense of belonging and uh, genuine agency about who they are and what's important to them. And so that's the, the level, the depth and the level of development that we are looking forward to participating in and supporting going forward over the next five years. This is just a snapshot of one project, which is awesome. And so if you are interested in uh, this project, after you hear the conversation, please go on to thewonga.com.au and it's w-a-n-g-k-a.com.au forward slash g-a-l-c-a-c hyphen charity and forward slash and you can support what the, the work that they're doing with the language development across the uh, the lands in Western Australia. Anyway, enjoy the interview, and thank you once again for your listening and for being great listeners for the podcast over its duration over the last few years. Uh, and we really have appreciated your support. And um, thank you, and all the very best. Cheers. <laughs> Welcome to the Outback Way podcast. And I'm really looking forward to our conversation today with Sue Hansen from the Goldfields Aboriginal Language Centre. Sue's work and her team are doing extraordinary work in along the Great Central Road in the lands, really fostering development from the core community level for economic empowerment and economic opportunities. So welcome Sue. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: No, lovely. Thank you for interviewing me. That's
0: great. So, to so complete, just let us know a little bit more about the Goldfields Aboriginal Language Centre and the roles that um, the role that it plays along the outback
1: way. So, the Goldfields Aboriginal Language Centre is situated in Kalgoorlie, um, which the traditional name is Galgula. That's the name of Kalgoorlie region. But it's a it's a research organisation that works across the goldfields, about 177,000 uh, square kilometre region. And and our job is to make sure that all of the Aboriginal languages through the region are recorded, they're linguistically analysed and then preservation resources are made uh, such as databases of the languages or the lexicon uh, to write dictionaries and grammars. But uh, most importantly, work with speakers uh, so that under their direction, so that their languages are preserved for the future, that we create resources for teaching and learning and enjoyment. So a a large part of what we do at the language centre is you can't just study a language like a museum piece and say that's the language. Mm. You've got to find place for it in a contemporary society. So a large part of what we do is fostering domains where language will be used and valued and and tourism and getting language into the economy is a really important part of of where we're going with the language centre.
0: That's that's so proactive and it really is making it worth speakers' while to actually engage with the language and really want to bring that keep keep it living and, and keep it a living language rather than as you said, you know, like tucked away in a museum about this is what it used to be, and to keep them all keep the languages alive. And so what is the byproduct of of that happening in the community? I mean, I the ripple effect has been quite extraordinary. So what are some of the examples that have Really, in improved, I guess the um, people's capacity to get involved with a business, or because
1: of what's work, what what work you're doing. Yeah. So, uh, there's a couple of things when we talk about language. You're not just talking about a speech that people use. You're talking about the language of their cognition. So, mm-hmm. language is is continuing to develop and use your language. It also develops your cognition, your thinking skills. And it really gives people agency in their life if people are using their own language, able to think in their language and express themselves. So what we try to do at the Language Centre is support Aboriginal people, particularly like sole traders, and tourism is the field at the moment that um, we're getting that into, to use language, say, for example, with tourists doing a honey ant hunting tour or something like that. So it, it looks like, we're just using language and we're supporting people to use language, but really we're supporting people to intellectualise and mm. continue their cognitive development. Uh, and, and we're finding, of course, if you can intellectualise in the language you're thinking in, that you are a much better, healthier person, you're more stimulated, your mm. family's healthier, children see mm. that and want to engage with that language. And there's a whole lot of social implications that... Um, go out from that. So we've been supporting a couple of small tourism operators in the region to see how that yeah. goes over a few years, to figure out what works for them, what doesn't work for them. It's a big ask to uh, get somebody who speaks a language and maybe has lived remote and say, right, start interacting with tourists, in a, you know, in a little business. So we've been really working with people about, you know, how do we support that happening so that yeah. it doesn't impact negatively on those people's lives as well and that they, they can sustain the energy that it takes to work with tourists because you're, you're often repeating yourself. Yes. Every day you yes. do a tour over and over again, but you want to do that with energy and excitement. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, you know, what we've been doing. Uh, and that's the the really, the big picture about language is keeping it not only alive but engaging everybody with it. And we always say that a, a language is like a library. If you burn down a library, all that knowledge is gone. And these these languages have got so much wisdom and understanding in them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Each language is like a library. So for Mm -hmm. Aboriginal folk to be working like in the tourism field, they're like pulling out a book from that library and sharing it with other people and engaging at a really meaningful, really cognitive level, which is really critical for our society as well. Yeah, that's all right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so the actual empowerment for people comes from that really engaging in something that's of, of interest to them and they actually get to start utilising and, and um, I guess, making it some, some economic benefit from it, which is, you know, it's their language and they're making some benefit from it. And I guess an example of that is something that we can be doing with the Outback Way and that's with our app and actually having some of the um for each of the tours we could have audio about some of the key sites along the outback um, within the tour yeah. about and just having the indigenous interpretation of the names and the places and and yeah. um, so people who are listening to or looking at our app and using and following our app they could also hear the language that would represents where that they are and um I think that that would be a um you know that's something an add on that we would like to sort of see happen but you know that also is a contribution then to locals and actually encouraging them to yeah. speak language and it's about that personal ownership isn't it it's actually about a okay. uh, well a sense of belonging and also a, a self esteem actually or self compassion and and being valued being valued and yeah. And if we get to the, so the so what are so if we go a little bit deeper, what are the issues now that is preventing that from happening? Do you think out, out yeah. in the lands and in the Indigenous communities?
1: So so there's a few things that uh, we're working on, and we need to have the big picture. Most of the people who live out in the lands, you know, their their parents and grandparents were great grandparents removed from country and put onto missions. And they were basically welfareised. They were told, you know, line up, you get your rations, this is what you do, you have to do. So people's capacity to build agency, personal agency or community agency, linguistic agency was literally removed from them. And people are, are today saying, we really want that agency back again. We want to not only make decisions for ourselves, but we want to experience the consequences of our decisions. We only actually in life learn from our mistake. We don't learn from Mm. the things that go right. Mm. Every time we make a mistake, we go, wow, that was a learning experience. So people want that right. So we need to work in a way that helps people de welfareize their lives, Mm. uh, engaging with, uh, you know, if we kind of look at the capitalist society and and Aboriginal society and tourism kind of fits in the middle because it's stuff that Aboriginal Mm. people really enjoy, but it also can give them... A nice little income. So you know, the other way we can talk about is is decolonising. So mm. we're trying to decolonize Aboriginal people's thinking and uh, give them some opportunity Indip- to engage in the tourism industry
0: as independent thinkers
1: too. Yes, you know, because when we when we group like live in groups, we get to group
0: think, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And and yeah. but and and often if someone suggests something outside the group. That that's a bit odd or different, and yeah. so it's not rewarded. Whereas yeah. if if people are thinking for themselves, then yeah. they're actually able to take charge and and as you say, you know, really start to yeah. to change their trajectory.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a way of um decolonising mm. is to say to Aboriginal, you have something that's of monetary value. We'll support mm. you. We won't do it for you. We won't tell you what to do, but we'll mm. support you into what you're doing. So people need the opportunity to set up things, to set up tourism ventures and so yes. on for them to fail, for, mm. to examine how they fail, but then to be supported again. You know, we need to, to see that through. So we've got a few years to do that, but it's really critical that those of us who can project into the future and see how things are going to be, so like when the road is bitumized, mm. that we say this is what we think is going to happen. We don't just sort of go, oh, what do you want to do? Let's follow you along. But we also all sit around like co-design what this is going to look like. And those of us who can project into the future say, I think this is going to happen like this or I think this is going to be an issue, we need to work on this. Because as a European, I understand this culture. As an Aboriginal person, they understand that way, but we co-design is about the two of us coming together. That's right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and co-design is absolutely critical and I guess that's where the future for the Outback Highway now, knowing that we've got a road being sealed, we have five years, five to six years yeah. of, of development time to actually really ensure that this development is has a really positive impact on yeah. communities that haven't had a sealed road across past their door, yeah. and it's a huge change. And yeah. so, you know, it is our, you know, it is it's part of our role to actually manage that change and yes. to make the most of the change, That's um, right. and and ensure that we've got the groundwork right to ensure that that is a best possible outcome. And, and I think, yes, we, and, and, and with that, as we are talking about, giving people agency, you know, in, enabling agency of an individual, it means then we're starting to actually mitigate the risks at the root cause, you know, yeah. because we often we get taken down a garden path and somewhere we probably won't really, don't really want to be going or, don't, you know, we realise that probably wasn't such a great idea when we're actually not quite sure about what we want and what we're doing and yeah. so if we can build agency within communities across the outback way that that have been very isolated enable them to and and you know forward face the ones who want to be forward facing with the with the traffic and the and the travellers and then those who don't don't have to yeah. Yeah. and and it's co-designed in that way it means that those who want to can actually make the most of the opportunities that come yeah. but also will have agency so they know where, like which path to go down because they can choose. It's huge.
1: That's right. And what's critical about this is it needs to be a very long-term project. Yes. You know, we're talking about 20, 40 years. It's going to take a long time for people to experiment uh, and feel what real agency is like to decolonize their own thinking, to stop being welfarized and to be supported through that, to and, engage yes. with you know, sort of capital of the world and People know that they have saleable products like there's rock holes Mm. they'd love to take tourists to. They really want to tell people about their nation and their language and share. Mm. But we need to support people into how that's done. So this needs to be a 20, 30, 40-year project. At the Language Centre, we always develop a 10-year strategic plan. We still have our eye on the bigger picture, but it's a 10-year plan We're into the second um, uh, strategic plan at the moment, uh, well well into it. And sometimes you think on a day-to-day basis not much is happening, but when you look back to 10 years, Mm. where we were Mm. 10 years to now, and we see the agency that Aboriginal people have now got, it Mm. makes it worthwhile, but it has to be. There's so many exciting places that Aboriginal people want to take tourists and share culture and language, but we need that long-term support. With long-term commitment. So I think the Outback Way has got that capability, which mm, is yep. why we're very excited to work with you guys.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and and as you say, like I just wanted to make that point about, you know, that agency comes from the wins, but not so much the wins, but the, the but the actual um, speed bumps that or the mistakes yeah. that we make, you know. Yeah. But it's the consequences of the decisions we make which is actually what gives us agency. And it means that it's not always, it's not rainbows and unicorns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's actually about but the, the, the very fact that you have just making a decision, working through how that work played out for you, what could have been, what went well, what didn't go so well, what, what could I do better? Having those questions, just simple questions like that, to review and monitor and then actually take, ch- make, make changes to do yeah. something better time and as you said you know each tour you're saying similar things but every tour might be you know slightly you can oh yeah. how can i improve the next time and yeah. it's, it's this continuous improvement but that's that's the agency that's them yeah. choosing to actually change something they're doing and it's yeah. completely within and that's powerful that that's empowerment yeah. right yeah. there so yeah, yeah, it's a really um, very exciting project too. And yeah. and I'm just, you know, the Outback Highway Development Council are really looking forward to just engaging with uh, with your groups and other groups that are actually all doing some great work out on the ground that yeah. we can then build together. We put the jigsaw puzzle together to yeah. ensure that we have that agency journey for the Indigenous communities. Yeah. It's just right. really just so timely and we we have got some time before we do have sealed roads to actually build this capacity so thank you so much for all the work you're doing but also yeah just being involved and, and I'm just looking forward to our ongoing connection throughout this process so
1: thank you you're most welcome yeah no, I'm, I'm very excited to and and hopefully uh you know, in any year's time we'll be a long way down the track towards yeah. seriously making something happen thanks
0: yeah no awesome that's great thank you so much Sue for your time Thank you for tuning in to the Outback Way podcast. The show notes will be on our website at outbackway.org.au. If you are enjoying our podcast, please leave us a review. And if you're really enjoying our podcast, you may like to become a contributor through our Outback Way store. For $5, you can help with the production of our podcast. Please stay in touch. We'd really love to hear your stories. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Outback Way 1. And finally, thanks to Perk Digital for producing our podcast, making your journey through the heart of Australia on Australia's Longest Shortcut easier. Please travel safely. The Outback Way podcast is all about your trip. We're really trying to make it easier for you and give you valuable information to make it more enjoyable. So we'd love your feedback. Send your questions, comments and travel stories to info at outbackway.org.au. And if you share your story, we may even feature you on this podcast. Thank you for joining us through the heart of Australia on Australia's Longest Shortcut. Cheers for now.